This MLB betting picks June 30th edition of the MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. Again, that's birddogs.com slash pool. Welcome, everyone, to the MLB Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is June the 30th, currently 5.03 on the East Coast, here to give our lock, dog, and total for the first day of July. Can't believe we're already into the July months, but joining me here to help me break it down, we'll also talk about the NL Central today. Give some division updates and try to see if we can find some value on some futures for that division. But helping me break it all down, I got my guy here with me, Scott Studio Rachel. Scott, what's going on, my man? Hey, nothing much. Uh, pretty busy morning in general with some NBA trades. You actually had a baseball game already finish uh, where the Cubs destroyed the Guardians. I know that uh, all three of us on the show yesterday, I believe, were going to back uh, Steele, and he pitched well once again. So yep. can't complain. Should be a fun episode. NL Central's a circus, so should be fun to break that down. Yeah, it's a huge circus. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. I mean, teams that have been going up and down, and um, a couple of teams, or one team in particular, that's absolutely uh, shit the bed so far this season. But uh, we'll get into that later. Yeah, like Scott mentioned, we'll talk about the NL Central, but also we'll give our lock dog in total for the Saturday schedule for Saturday, July the 1st. So, Scott, let's just dive right into it. Um, Let's start off here with our totals. Uh, I'll let you lead it off, man. Uh, what do you got for your total for the Saturday games? All right. Uh, so for the total, I'm going to go to the Giants and Mets game on Saturday, and I am going to go with the under eight and a half. You have Scalfani facing off against Verlander. I'm not the biggest Scalfani guy. He's been decent lately, though. Uh, but Verlander's been very good at home, and we know the Mets aren't exactly good at hitting. The Giants have been pretty good at hitting, but I do know that Verlander, once again, has the talent to shut down this offense. And you're looking at Verlander's last couple of home starts, and he's been consistently solid. Now, he got the loss last home start, only gave up two runs off that two-run home run that he gave up, and I believe the sixth inning against Milwaukee. Uh, actually, he only went five innings in that one. So he gave, he gave him no runs in his last start against Milwaukee. I guess it was the bullpen that gave that up. But five innings, no runs. Six innings, one run. Six innings, one run, and you can keep going. The point is, the last couple home starts, he's given up one run or less in four straight home starts. So I do think when you're looking at Verlander's form, I trust it in City Field. DiScafani, once again, not the greatest pitcher, but I do think the Mets offense has been struggling so much that it might cancel each other out. I think eight and a half is too high, though. I'm going to go with the under. I think it probably finishes more in the three to two type range, four to three type range, but eight and a half just feels a little bit high to me. I'm going to take the under. Yeah. Uh, I agree with what you said about, um, I mean, pretty much everything. I agree with the play, but um, Justin Verlander has been really good uh, in city field, kind of how, how uh, Max Scherzer has been as well. Um, and just the offense hasn't been able to produce for the New York Mets. I did consider this, Game as one of my plays, but then I remember it is the Mets, and the Mets are always going to Mets. So I kind of backed away from it. But um, I agree about Justin Verlander. Uh, he's been doing well, especially in City Field. This Scafani sometimes can be a gas can, but again, when you're going up against the Mets offense, that just hasn't been able to produce a lot of runs. Um, eight and a half does seem a tick high uh, for this game between the uh, Mets and the 
Giants. So agree with you on that. Um, for my total play for Saturday, I am going to go to the last game of the night between the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks and the uh, Los Angeles uh, Angels. We have Tyler Anderson on the mound for the Angels, and then we have Ryan Nelson on the mound for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, Tyler Anderson, I'll start with him uh, at home thus far this season. Well, let me start with his uh, pitching splits and, and things like that uh, before I get into the more of the advanced stats here for Tyler Anderson. But um, on the season thus far, give me a second, I'm trying to pull up his numbers here. Four and two, uh, winning record, but he does have that 5.54 ERA. Again, two and oh at home as well, but he's at uh, as a 5.88 ERA uh, in Angel Stadium. He's pitched 26 innings in Angel Stadium, allowed 17 earned runs in that span. Um, kind of go back and I know four of his last farts ha- four of his last five starts have been uh on the road uh in his last five games. But you take a look at what he's kind of given up. He's given up a lot of hard contact, number one, uh, to the opposition in his last couple games there. I know his last two games have been decent starts, but prior to that against the Rangers, nine to six, seven to four against the Cubs. Prior to that, uh, the White Sox, seven to three, seven to three against the Red Sox, six, five final. So it's definitely been going over this number of nine and a half for uh, Tyler Anderson when he is on the mound uh, for the Angels. And you kind of take a look at the um, his numbers against the current lineup of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Pretty good sample size here. 165 plate appearances uh, against the lineup of the Arizona Diamondbacks has a uh, a weighted WOBA right now of 334 and expected WOBA of 291. Team batting average for the Arizona Diamondbacks against um, Tyler Anderson, 273. And on the season, the Arizona Diamondbacks have been doing real well as far as going up against left-handed pitching. Um, I know the last two weeks hasn't been too stellar for them, um, but this is a team that they find ways to score runs. Um, and I think that they'll be able to get to Tyler Anderson here on the other side. Uh, Ryan Nelson has had uh, pretty good starts uh, over his last couple games here for the Diamondbacks, but at a 4.97 ERA, you take a look at his road ERA at 3.07 just hasn't faced the toughest offenses. I know his last start, he had a great start against the Giants, seven innings pitch, only allowed one earned run prior to that. The Brewers, uh, not a great offense as well, but when you're going up against guys like Otani and Trout, Anthony Rendon has been rounding its form as war, as well. Tyler Ward, they got Hunter Renfro back from injury as well. So I think this, this is going to be a game that we uh, do definitely see runs in this game. I think it does clear the over nine and a half. Uh, both teams, I believe, will contribute, obviously, to the over here. Trust both offenses. I'm going to take the over nine and a half between the Diamondbacks and the Angels in this game here, Scott. Yeah, well, when Otani puts up good numbers along with Trout and they still find ways to lose games, that tends to involve overs because they can't pitch. So I don't mind that either. I think you'll see some runs in this game. Both teams, bullpen-wise, we know the Diamondbacks' bullpen's not great. Angels have been okay, not as good lately. But I do think, once again, when you're looking at two questionable starters and with a lot of firepower, I'm not sure how long Corbin Carroll's going to be out, though. I know he did leave yesterday's game early, so we'll see what happens. But I don't mind that play. I think you'll see runs in it. Yep, I agree, hundred percent. All right, before we get into our dog play of uh, the Saturday games, let me tell you guys about Bird Dog Shorts. It's that time of summer, man. You're either going to be poolside, hanging out uh, at a friend's house, or your own pool uh, in your backyard, or you got pool parties lined up. It's starting to get hot, and it's hot down here in Texas. I know a lot of uh, the other parts of the country. It's getting hot 
or whether you're headed down to Cabo, whether you're headed down to uh, Cancun, some tropical place, you need some swimming shorts, and you also need some nice-looking khaki shorts when you're whether you're going out to dinner, whatever the case might be. Bar Dogs has you covered. Uh, Bar Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same things as Lululemons, but fit way better. Plus, uh, Bird Dogs uses an anti-stink sweat wicked fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Like I mentioned, those temperatures are increasing throughout the country, and you want to get some comfortable shorts that are going to keep you dry and give you a plenty of space. Um, they're also in a giving mood. When you go to birddogs.com slash pool and you place an order with uh bird dogs they're gonna throw in a free yeti style tumbler with your order again that's birddogs.com slash pool for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you that all right scott let's get into our uh, uh dog plays for the saturday games what do you got all right uh so for my dog play i am gonna go to a matchup between the astros and the rangers and I'm actually going to go with the Astros and the money line at plus 112. I understand that Yavaldi's been good this season as a whole. Recently, though, he has not been as good, so I do think he's a little bit overvalued here. Houston's offense has woken up, and now facing off against the Cardinals does help with that. But still, Houston's finally hitting the ball well. Hunter Brown's been pitching well lately. And the Astros have actually had a lot of success against Yavaldi in Yavaldi's career. Uh, to pull up the actual numbers, they have faced him a decent amount. Uh, since Uvalde's been in the league for a while. And to look at the active numbers that the Astros batters have against him, a total of 103 plate appearances, a 305 batting average, and a 356 on base percentage. So the point is, I do think with Houston's current form, they are a bit undervalued here. I get people will blindly be scared of fading Uvalde because he's been good this year. But the Rangers just split a home series against Detroit. I'm really not that sold on their current form. Houston offensively has woken up, and I do think that Hunter Brown's a pretty solid pitcher. I'm going to take the small plus price of the Astros in the spot. Uh, this was my lock play, so I'll go ahead and give it out as well. I'm with you on the Astros' money line here. Um, everything that you said uh, as well. But if I was to take a look at what Hunter Brown has done against the uh, Rangers in his career, he's been really solid. Um, I believe he had a start earlier this season against the Rangers, so I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to pull that up right now. Um, but in his career, two starts. He had one last season, yeah, and one this season as well. Um, dating back to last season, six shutout innings, five strikeouts, one walk. Uh, this season, back on April 15th, seven innings pitched, five strikeouts, one walk as well. Hasn't allowed any earned runs in those 13 innings pitched against this uh, Rangers team. That's been pretty impressive how well the Rangers offense has been doing this season. I think I believe they do lead the entire league in runs per game. And they're always up there in the in the top of offensive uh, categories, whether that's advanced stats uh, or uh, regular offensive stats, about, like I mentioned, with runs per game. But, yeah, I think this is going to be a fun series to watch all, uh, all weekend long. Um, not only is it an interstate battle, but it's a, it's going to be a – interesting race between these two teams um, for the AL West as well. And I think that um, I'm definitely going to be watching this series, but yeah, Hunter Brown has been really good so far for the uh, Houston Astros. And you mentioned that Nathan Nivaldi has been a little shaky uh, over his last couple starts, but especially against the uh, Houston Astros as well. I think fun fact, Nathan Nivaldi is from the Houston area as well. So um, yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, uh, Astros money line as my lock. Uh, I'll go ahead and give my dog out, and then you can give out your lock. Uh, I'm going to go with your New York Yankees, man, on the run line, minus one and a half. 
going up against the Cardinals. Uh, Ducey Garrett Cole is going to get the start here for the um, New York Yankees, and he's been solid on the road thus far this season for the uh, New York Yankees. A perfect 3-0 record. He has a 2.70 ERA. Having a Cy Young caliber year for the uh, New York Yankees with a, I believe he has an 8-1, yeah, 8-1 record, 2.78 ERA, 113 strikeouts, 31 walks thus far this season, like I mentioned, in six starts on the road, 2.70 ERAs, 3-0 on the road thus far this season. It's also the fact that I just don't trust his Cardinals team. I know they have two big bats in Nolan Arenado and uh, Paul Goldschmidt, but this team has been an absolute uh, clusterfuck this season. Um, to put it nicely, I guess. Um, don't trust their manager. I know you've been harping about him possibly being the first manager to be fired. And then on the side, you have Jack Flaherty. Um, he's really been inconsistent this season for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. I know you got off to a rough start. And it seemed like he had found some form, but his last two starts have been absolutely atrocious. Last two starts, he's uh, gone 12 in, or sorry, uh, 10 and two thirds innings pitched, a lot of allowed 20 hits combined in those two starts, 10 hits in each. He's allowed six earned runs in each of those two starts. I feel like the Yankees have found something offensively. I know they just went up against the Oakland A's, and we know that everybody puts up um, runs against the Oakland A's, but I think that just kind of gives you a confidence boost. And now you're going up against a guy like Jack Flaherty, who has struggled thus far this season. And at home, at Bush Stadium, this season, 2-3 and three with a 7.06 ERA, 23 earned runs, and 29 and one-thirds innings pitch. So, uh, I'm going to go with your New York Yankees. I think Garrett, well can go, Garrett Cole uh, can go along well here. I won't be surprised if he goes seven strong innings here. I think the Yankees will definitely be able to uh, tack on some runs against uh, Jack Flaherty here. So uh, I am taking Yankees minus one and a half, and I believe that price is at plus 130 currently over on DraftKings here, Scott. Yeah, I've been low on Flaherty for a long time, pretty much since he got injured a couple of years ago at this point. I'm not sold on him in general. I don't think that he is a good pitcher, and I feel like a lot of people support him because of what he was before he got hurt. When he had that season where he started, what was it, like 8-0, 9-0, like three years ago, whatever it was for yeah. Flaherty. That he was really the year hasn't I had been good for like since. Cy Young. Yeah, it might have been like pre-COVID. He has not been good since. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. So I'm not sold on Flaherty. Cole, I know, was not great against Texas, on a Sunday, but still, the point is he's still a very solid pitcher, and we know the Cardinals find ways to blow games anyway. Yankees offense did wake up against Oakland in the final two games of that series. I like the play, too. I think the Yankees win that game comfortably. All right, so I give out my all three of my picks there. Uh, so, Scott, we have your lock left. Yeah, uh, so for my lock, I am going to go to a matchup between the Cubs and the Guardians, and I am going to go with the Cubs – Trying to think if I want to go with the first five or the full game. I think I'm going to go with the first five in this one. Uh, I don't see a line available, but I only see the full uh, full game. So I see the Cubs full game at around minus 135. So I'll assume that the first five will be around there, maybe minus 140, because you can push. But yeah. Stroman, I know, is not great in his last start in London, but he's still a very solid pitcher. And you're looking at who the... Uh, Guardians are supposed to throw out there. They're supposed to be throwing out BB in this uh, start, and he has really not been good on the road. And I do think that, once again, the Cubs, uh, they finally won a game in North America. So congrats to them. They finally won a game in America. Uh, it's been a while. But I do think when you're looking at the current 
overall talent on both teams. The Guardians are still fighting for first place, but record-wise, they're relatively even. So I do think that these teams are pretty close on paper. And Strowman is one of the better pitchers in the league. BB is a youngster who seems to have struggled lately, especially. And his road numbers this season, as, as I mentioned before, are not good. Uh, his numbers on the road up to this point, let me just pull that up quickly. Um, his numbers on the road are, sorry, just it froze on me here. Uh, he's pitched 25 and a third innings on the road, 5.68 ERA. So the point is he has been a lot better at home than on the road. But Stroman, I'm hoping, will be able to return to form. He's a better pitcher, and the Cubs maybe build some confidence after scoring 10-plus runs in the game on Friday. Give me the Cubs' first five against the Guardians. I think we had the conversation about Marcus Stroman being in that um, Cy Young uh, conversation this year. And for the right reasons. I know he left with, a, I believe it was a hand injury, and then, then the London series. Uh, um but I think that again with the Cubs, uh, go to McGill's Guardians here. Um, Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele has just half uh, thus far this season. Um, do my internet is kind of crapping out on me here, but uh, I agree with you. Uh, Cubs, like you mentioned, they got off to a great start in this series against the Guardians. They got the what the ten to one victory. Now you have Marcus Stroman that you have to deal with uh, if you are uh, the Cleveland Guardians. So Marcus Stroman and the Cubs uh, first five innings uh, for Scott for his lock for the Saturday games. Uh, all right, before we actually talk about the Chicago Cubs and the rest of the division in the NL Central, uh, let me tell everyone about Underdog Fantasy. Getting ever so closer to the football season, and you guys need to check out Underdog Fantasy. They are um, giving away $15 million in prizes, plus Best Ball Mania 4 is officially here over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite uh, MLB and uh, NFL season player props. There's so many ways to win over at Underdog, and Underdog is available in so many different states across the country. So head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus. Um, again, that's underdogfantasy.com. Make sure you use promo code SGPN. All right, Scott, as far as our uh, future Fridays, we talk about whether it's you know divisions or awards market. Today, uh, we'll talk about the NL Central Division. And this has kind of been one of the more... I don't want to say exciting divisions, but maybe the most interesting as far as what the preseason projections were uh, for this division. Um, And I'll quickly kind of go through the standings here, and then we can kind of get into the uh, updated division uh, odds uh, for this NL Central division. So currently, as it stands in the NL Central, I am currently seeing that the... Milwaukee Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds are tied at uh, the top of the division at the record of 43 and 38. And then you have the Chicago Cubs who are four and a half games back at 38 and 42 pirates, 38 and 42 and lowly down at the bottom are the St. Louis Cardinals who have a 33 and 47 record nine and a half games behind uh, in this division. Also interesting part that I uh, found in this uh, division was that there's only one team in this division, Scott, that has a plus uh, run differential, and that's going to be the Chicago Cubs at plus 32. Everybody else in this division has a minus um, run differential. 
differential. So kind of going through the updated division standings as it stands right now, we have the Brewers are a minus 155 um, favorite to win this division, followed by the Reds at around plus 370. We have the Cubs at 5-1, to one, Cardinals 11-1, to one, and the Pirates at 22-1. to one. Um, Scott, we can start with the overall thoughts thus far in this division. We kind of go team by team here, but kind of what have you seen from this NL Central division? Uh, for the most part, a lot of unpredictability because teams in this division, if you're even mediocre, you're basically in first place because I just mentioned a second ago that the Cubs are below 500 and yet they are in striking distance. Same with the Reds and the Brewers have kind of just been holding serve, looking like a pretty meh team. And they're still in first place, which is all you need to be in this division. Uh, I think it's safe to say we can write off the Pirates and the Cardinals. Uh, they have no chance of doing anything. So I'm writing them off entirely. Uh, those two teams are really, really bad. And the Pirates are supposed to be bad. So that doesn't shock anybody. But the Cardinals have been a mess. They're going to blow up the team at the deadline. So I'm out on them. But to answer your overall questions for the initial takeaways, I think there's three teams in this division I'm not really interested in Milwaukee because I do think that everyone knows what they are. They're a bland pitch first team that really doesn't generate many runs. Yeah. The Cubs are interesting because occasionally they can score. Sometimes they have some issues, but they do have some pieces. And I do think once again, they could maybe be a buyer at the deadline. Maybe. And then you have Cincinnati. Now Cincinnati, I like half recommended about a month ago when it was like 15 to one or 20 to one or something insane like that. And now it's down to around three to one. They have the most upside. The problem is they can't pitch. They're basically the opposite of the Brewers. And that's kind of how it goes because Cincinnati really needs a lot of help with either the bullpen or the rotation. They're still using Luke Weaver every five, six days. And you're looking at Ashcraft pitching today. Like the rotation is so bad for a team that's competing for a division title, but they can score 10 runs at any given game. So it's really tricky to find a team that you fully want to trust. The Reds are interesting if you think they go forward at the deadline and if you think they're going to potentially make a push for somebody to help out that rotation. The problem that I have with Milwaukee is that earlier this season, they called up a lot of the younger guys and they seemed to make a full youth movement out of it. Then they also were willing to trade Hader while competing for a playoff spot last year. So I'm not sure if Milwaukee actually wants to make a push to make the playoffs or not in terms of acquiring pieces at the deadline or if they might try to sell off more contracts. So since the front office seems to be more interested in saving money than actually competing for Milwaukee, I'm going to stay away from them. But I'm going to lean to the Reds if I had to pick. But if I had to pick uh, two teams, it would be the Cubs and the Reds that I'd be interested in because I do think there might be a little bit of room to grow for both these teams. I think this is what Milwaukee is. They're a relatively streaky team, pretty good at pitching. They'll probably win 84 games, 85 games, and you hope that's good enough to win the division. I'll lean to the Reds if I had to pick one team right now. But once again, I recommended them when they were in like the 15 to one range or higher. So I don't think the value is there because I already got in early. But once again, it's a division that I think any of these three teams can win it. But I'll lean to the Reds. But they really need to address the starting rotation because it is a mess. 
Yeah, I know the Reds are missing some uh, guys in the rotation, right? I mean, Hunter Green, I mean, we know he can throw 150 miles an hour, but location has been an issue with him. I think that's something that he will figure out. They're also missing uh, Nicola Dolo. I know guys in the chat are pointing it out that they're missing some key arms in that rotation. Um, They they can't keep throwing out. Uh, We'll see how Ashcraft does tonight. They can't keep throwing out Ashcraft and Weaver every turn in the rotation. And expect yeah. to realistically win the division. They really yeah. need to do something at the deadline. Yeah. Yeah, I think they figured out their offense. It's just about, you know, the the starting rotation, like you mentioned. Um, I think the bigger question for me is that for the Cubs, if they are in contention, uh, come trade deadline. I know there's been rumors about Stroman might being traded to a contender or a team that needs a another pitcher. Um, do they keep riding with, you know, Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman as your one and two guys? And trying to make that playoff push because four and a half games, I mean, that can change in a matter of a week. Uh, and you can be two games back in the, for the division lead. I think they have to, though, right? I mean, can they really as bad as the division when is. they just paid Swanson? Like, yeah. 100, like, they paid him a ton of money. They got yeah. him. They, they could make an argument that maybe Bellinger is a flip piece or maybe they'll keep him. I think they're going to keep Stroman. You make an argument the Cubs maybe should trade him to get prospects. But once again, the Cubs were one of the biggest buyers during the offseason. They signed mm-hmm. a couple of players for a decent amount of money, and now suddenly halfway through the year, they're going to just wave the flag. Even last year, I'm shocked Ian Happ stole on the team because they were supposed to trade him and Contreras and basically half the roster, and Contreras ended up leaving in free agency, yeah. mm-hmm. and they didn't trade anybody. So I I don't really know what Chicago's game plan is, but if you're asking, do I think they're going to trade Steele or Stroman, what you think they should do is kind of irrelevant here, but I think they're going to keep them, if I had to guess. Yeah, and I would keep them as well. Um, I think the only bat that they traded last season, was was it Rizzo that they traded last year, or was that the year before? I'm trying to remember if that was the year before or not. I think that was the year before. Yeah, but I mean, regardless, we knew that the team that won um, the World Series, like we knew, like, you know, with the departure of Chris Bryan, Anthony Rizzo, Contreras eventually in this offseason. That this is Happen Hendricks the only two people still left from that team. I think so. And you got the man so. also obviously was on that team, but still. Yeah. Um, and then there's another question like, do you, t- do you trust David Ross as a manager of this Cubs team? That I think. Compared to the rest of this division, I don't think he's that bad of a manager. I've watched some Cubs games. He butchered the second London game for that double switch in like the third inning, which was ridiculous. But the bullpen's been better lately. I'll Mm -hmm. tell you what, the more I've watched the Cubs this year, maybe it's because they keep making me money, but I have not really been that outraged by anything that Ross has done. I think he's decent. Like I don't think he's an amazing manager, but I definitely Mm -hmm. have seen worse around the league. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think the value probably is here on the Cubs for me as well. I know the Reds, uh, a lot of people have picked up Reds tickets, not only just within our SGPN community, but just take a look at it on gambling Twitter. When they you know, brought up Cruz and, and they were making that hot run where they had, what, wheeled off like eight, nine wins in a row. Um, I think it was 11. were picking up tickets on them. at Yeah, yeah they got up to double digits for sure. Uh, but for me, I do like this Cubs team, man. I think I, we, we talk about teams that you want to back 
The first thing I was looking at is pitching. And again, I'm really sold on Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman as your one and two guys. We saw another stellar outing today from Justin Steele. And, you know, you're backing Marcus Stroman uh, on Saturday afternoon against the Guardians again. So rightfully so, right? And kind of looking at it right now, Scott, um, make miss playoff odds. So the only minus favorite right now to make the playoffs is the Milwaukee Brewers at minus 195. Uh, then it's followed by the Reds at plus 290 to make the playoffs. Cubs at plus 450. Cardinals 8-1 to one, and the Pirates at 18-1. to one. Um, Anything that excites you there as far as maybe divi- – I know we talked about the Cubs at 5-1 to one for the division, but any make or miss playoff odds kind of in- excite you? I don't really think there's any value on those because I'm trying to think if any of these teams can realistically get a wild card spot. You're looking at the NL West. They're going to get at least two teams in, maybe three, if you think San Francisco is going to hold serve. So you're looking at potentially two wildcard spots gone from that division by itself. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm just trying to think if realistically the NL East, Miami is going to probably make a playoff spot. Philly's been on a great run lately. So no, I I think that the Central is a one-team Oh, a one playoff team division. So I don't really see any value on the playoff market. I really think whoever makes the playoffs in that division will win the division and nobody else is going to get in. Do you? Because looking at the Marlins and they're like, what, 15 games over now? Yeah, so they're four, uh, 14 games. So 48 and 34 right now. The Dodgers are 10 games above um, 500 at 45 and 35. You're either banking on the Giants or the Phillies to fall off. Um, or Arizona in theory, but yeah, um, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm really high on this Arizona team, so I think I agree with you that if an NL Central team or a NL Central team that is going to get into this uh, playoff is going to have to be the division winner. So um, yeah, I agree. And I kind of was listing out and writing down those odds, like nothing really stuck out. So I mean, I think if you do like a team right now, whether that's the Cubs, the Reds, I mean, the Reds you probably missed a price on, but it's still at plus three seventy. Um, I think we're both in agreement about the the Cubs at five to one. I think we still need to do have the conversation of what the hell is going wrong in um, St. Louis because I did pick the St. Louis Cardinals team to win this division. I think a lot of people may most, have. Most people did. Yeah. And again, just because of the talent that is on the team. But for me, it kind of goes back to something that I've always harped on is the starting pitching that they just don't have a frontline guy. I mean, they brought back Adam Wainwright. He's been an absolute dumpster fire. Jack Flaherty has been really up and down through this season. Um, And I know you're not a fan of the manager either, but what have you kind of been your thoughts about this uh, Cardinals team thus far this season? There's a couple things to look at. Uh, First things first, you got to talk about the manager, which you just mentioned. Marmel's not any good. It's just as simple as that. He's not a good manager. I mentioned how David Ross isn't the type of manager who's going to wow you on paper when you watch him, but he won't really mess things up. He's good at, I'd say, keeping the morale relatively high. It seems like Chicago, even when things were going badly in years past, you never heard of any clubhouse, you know, type of shenanigans going on or any type of arguments or fights. It seems like David Ross and his players get along well. I think yeah. the Cardinals players hate Marmel. And when he threw O'Neill under the bus in the first week of the season, I feel like that was the tip of the iceberg. I don't think the players like him. And maybe I'm reading into it because of one instance, but 
it really just feels like Marmold has no clue how to use the bullpen. And a lot of the veterans, I just don't think fully trust them. And I don't think they're wrong either. Now, that's one issue. So I'll start with the manager. I don't think Marmol's any good. I think their previous manager was a lot better. I think Mike Shield was actually a good manager, and they fired him. So that's a problem he got there. Then to move on to the other stuff, I'll tell you what. I don't have a vote for an LMVP. I'll give a fifth-place vote to Yadier Molina. (laughs) He's not even in the league anymore because he apparently was the glue that kept this entire team together. And he's one of the best fielding catchers of all time. Now, people immediately think of fielding catchers and you go, well, you know, that involves stolen bases and trying to scare teams off from running. And we know how good uh, Yadier was at that. But even just calling games, what he did with that rotation year in and year out just helping their ERAs either with framing pitches or even just calling a good game. I think that's the main difference is that you had Yadier as one of the best fielding catchers of all time who brought stability and kind of a calming presence to the rotation from behind Mm. the actual plate. And then they brought in Contreras, who can't even catch. He's, He's been on and off catching all year. They've been scrambling to find a replacement. I think that's an issue. The rotation's been a mess. Wainwright should have retired with Yadier Molina because he can't pitch anymore. His ERA is north of seven at this point. You're looking at Mikolas. He can't pitch either. Flaherty's been a mess, and you just can keep going down the line. I'm not saying that, once again, Yadier would have made all of the problems disappear, but you can definitely tell without having that catcher, that experienced elite defensive catcher, to calm the pitching staff and also to potentially steal a couple of free strikes with framing and to also steal some outs on the base paths with throwing guys out. Yadier's absence has just been massive as a veteran leader of this team and as a veteran presence of this team. And they've had no backup plan. And it kind of tells you, once again, the importance of having a good catcher. People always talk about shortstop and how it's the most important defensive position. You've heard that you know, saying for a long time, I think it might be catcher because catcher is not only doing all of the actual fielding stuff with runners and everything like that, but they're stealing strikes all the time. They're throwing out base runners all the time and they're calling games. I think one thing you ought to talk about, even from the Yankees perspective for a perfect game, Higashioka, he called a perfect game and a no hitter in the span of three years. But that's a very solid job behind the plate. It's why Garrett Cole used to use him as his personal catcher. It's because he calls a good game. And I think it's a very underrated skill set. And I do think that the defense for the Cardinals has completely fallen off a cliff. So for me, the main issues are Yadier retiring and Marmol not being there. It doesn't seem like they have any veteran presence on that roster at all, which is shocking because they have a lot of veterans on that team. Mm -hmm. But I got to at least mention Yadier because he was a very, very consistent defensive presence. They don't have it anymore, and the pitching and defense have fallen off. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's spot on uh, about about uh, about Yachty. Um, it's just, I know Captain Sano is mentioning that as well, that I think we've all been used to seeing this Cubs, t- oh, sorry, this Cardinals team just be a solid team. Um, They're a fundamentally sound team year yeah. in, year out. That's what they're known and, for. Yeah, not having now their veteran leader or – on this roster has, has kind of been their, I guess we can say their downfall uh, thus far this season and not having a competent manager at that, at that position as well. I mean, 
They have the former MVP. I mean, yeah, the reigning MVP and Paul Goldschmidt on this team. You have Arenado, who's a, who's a great bat as well. Um, but just, even Arenado's defense hasn't been as good. Yeah, as it he has hasn't been. been in recent yeah. Years. So there are some question marks that this team is going to have to answer when it does get to the offseason. I know last year, right around the All Star break, when we were talking about second half futures, we did give out the Cardinals um, to come back and win this division, and and that because the Brewers ended up trading Hater, <laughs> like they just pumped yeah. it on the division. I don't think that's going to be the case this year of us back in the Cardinals just because where the state of this team is. So I think in the offseason, there's going to be huge question marks about this pitching rotation like we just talked about. And also, Marmol is going to be back at that uh, manager position, which we think all of us agree that he shouldn't be. You know, maybe they bring make the call to Yachty. Maybe he does become the manager uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals team. But not Scott, not one of the more exciting uh, divisions is the NL Central, but hey, we we still talk about every single division here. Well, it depends on the how you NL look at it, podcast. because you can argue it is exciting because anybody can win it, or at least three yeah, teams can yeah. win it. But it's not good baseball. On the yeah. bright side, at least two ga- two teams are over five hundred, so it's not the AL Central. It could be worse. You got to look at it that way. Yeah, the two central divisions, uh, depending on how you look at it, uh, could be the either most exciting. You or... know, the Tigers are like forty to one, by the way, and they're only three and a half out of the first place in the division. They're forty to one. Forty to one for the division. Yeah, they're forty to one. They're only three and a half back. I saw the White Sox were like four and a half back. They're only they're plus a thousand. And it's what the Guardians are leading it right now. I think they just took the lead, didn't they, in that division? Well, they just lost, so Minnesota yeah, so temporarily so gained half a game. So I, I don't know, but it, it's not good. But yeah, then again, that's my, that's my point. The AL Central's worse. The AL yeah. Central's not fun, but the Reds are fun. At least there's a team or two you can get behind. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anything else for this division, Scott? Not really. Pittsburgh had a good month, and that was it. So yeah. that was one better month than I thought they would have this year. But, yeah, I don't really have much more to add. The Cardinals are an extreme disappointment, but luckily for them, uh, the Mets and the Padres exist, so nobody's talking about the Cardinals in terms of disappointment. But still, it just goes back to what I said about St. Louis. they got a lot of problems, uh, whether it involves the roster, the lack of proper defense, the manager, or I am curious how many players doubt the front office because Shield was kind of their guy, and they – they were a good team with Shield, and then yeah. he had an issue with the GM, and they fired him, and Marmol was able to make the playoffs last year, but it wasn't pretty by any means. I don't know. I wonder how much trust there is left in the front office. St. Louis might have to clean a lot of the house, including the front office. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see for sure. Uh, all right, before we get out of here, we can uh, recap our picks here quickly for the Saturday games. Uh, Scott, you want to lead us off? Yeah, uh, so going in order, uh, my lock's going to be the Cubs' first five on the money line uh, with Stroman going up against BB. Uh, For the uh, dog, I'm going to go with the Astros' money line at plus 112. I'll back Hunter Brown against Uvalde. And for my total, going to go with the under 8.5 in the Giants and Mets game with Verlander on the mound against DeSclefani. All right, and for my picks, my lock is going to be the Astros' money line. Uh, the dog is going to be the Yankees on the run line, minus one and a half with Garrett Cole on the mound against the Cardinals and Jack Flaherty. And my total is going to be the over in the Diamondbacks and the Angels game with Ryan Nelson and Tyler Anderson on the mound for the Angels. 
All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the MLB Gambling Podcast. We are officially entering the month of July. I know All Star Break is right around the corner as well. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll do as we usually do. We'll talk about some home run derby props and all that good stuff when the time does come. Uh, you can find, uh, sorry, we'll be back uh, on Sunday evening to look at the Monday games. <coughs> Excuse me. So look out for us then. Uh, Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? Uh, not really. Got a tennis podcast later. Uh, three straight sweeps on the tennis podcast. So yeah. that's been going well. Also guaranteed outright winner with either Manorino or Eubanks in the final there. I know you've been crushing tennis in the Discord. Yeah, it's it's been. I'm slowly. I'm learning. You've taken I'm the same learn, play man. four days in a row, but it keeps cashing. You know. Yeah, I look. Uh, you brought me on to Eubanks. I listened to your pod when you talked about Eubanks. I just kind of dug into the numbers a little bit more, and it, I've just been taking the over on his games. I've been setting it at 25, 25 and a half, and there's at least one set that goes to a tiebreaker. So there's 13 uh, points right there for you uh, in that one set. But yeah, it, it's a tennis has been good. Uh, learning a lot from you and, and your pod. So again, like if you haven't already. Um, subscribe to the Tennis Gambling Podcast with uh, Scott. Now is a great time because Wilbertson, right around the corner. Actually, it's next week, so I know uh, Scott's going to do a huge preview for that, so definitely look this out week, for that. This weekend, technically. Yeah, because he had some um, qualifiers going on, didn't you? That already, Yeah, that already for finished. Wilbertson? So yeah. the, official, the official tournament starts, I believe, Sunday morning. Oh, this Sunday morning? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, okay. Start, I don't know why so I sorry, it starts week. Monday, July 3rd. Okay, yeah. So, so. then, uh, yeah, now is the time to to uh, tune into the tennis gambling podcast so make sure you follow scott on twitter at rice shell radio you can follow me on twitter at sports nerd 824 make sure to follow the mlb gambling podcast twitter account at mlb sgpn and again subscribe to the youtube channel here for the mlb gambling podcast a shout out to the chat usual suspects in there uh tv dbj case and captain insano and a randy pops in as well Appreciate all you guys. You guys make the show go by faster, and it's always a lot of fun um, getting to pick y'all's brains as well. Uh, like I mentioned, we'll be back Sunday night for the Monday games in some form or fashion, so look out for us then. Till then, good luck with your bets. Let's break these books off and let it ride.